Welcome to the Saving Lives Podcast. I'm Eddie Joe. Today is the 24th of November of 2020, and the article that I'm going to be using as a citation for this podcast was published three years ago in September of 2017, and it's titled, Improving Cardiac Operating Room to Intensive Care Unit Handover Using a Standardized Handover Process. The reason why I'm choosing to go into a little bit of the CVICU transition from CVOR to CVICU is because I've worked at a number of different institutions now and everybody's done it just a little bit differently. Ultimately, every, every different institution runs like its own well-oiled machine, but there's some key components of the handoff that I'd like to discuss with you today, especially using this template that they provide in the article, which is definitely free for you to download. And I think you should check it out for yourself because it's a pretty cool, pretty cool uh, handover checklist and documentation tool that from the comments that I received on my Instagram post on the matter, many people have something similar to this, but some people just don't have any checklist whatsoever. And I think that the perfect scenario might lie somewhere in the middle, especially when, you know, certain institutions are already really well oiled machines and everybody just synchronizes and works well together. The thing is that there's still turnover amongst the nursing staff as well as the intensivists. So it's good to have something like a transition note to fall back on to use as a backbone for patient care in this setting. After all, critical care, the details matter, and you can't miss anything at all, at least in my opinion. Again, this this PDF is free for you to download, and you should def- definitely check it out for yourself. So now let's talk about the handoff that takes place between the CVOR to the CVICU. And the perspective that I'm going to take primarily is that of the cardiovascular anesthesiologist to the intensivist. Obviously, there are going to be some nuggets in here for the CVOR nurses as well as the CVICU nurses, so don't feel like you're going to be left out. The thing is, I really don't like to speak for nurses. I think there's plenty of mediums out there for nurses to you know, discuss with each other. There are a lot of things that nurses do that I, I just don't understand, and hat tip to all of them. There's no better way to build rapport and confidence amongst the team than direct communication between healthcare professionals. Good face-to-face conversation and discussion. Like that you get to know each other, you get to read the body language of your colleague and interact with them after the patient after the patient arrives in the CVICU from the OR. I think that's really key. Some hearts are routine and the dynamics are a little bit nonchalant. You know, it's like, oh yeah, easy airway, easy heart, easy, you know, easy bypass, no big deal. But then there's some hearts that are quite sicker and there's lots of information that one needs to know. A proper handoff can assist with making sure that all the issues that have happened are and, and honestly, key factors of the patient themselves are addressed and one could more accurately predict what could potentially happen in recovery. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The article that I'm using as a citation for this podcast states that subpar handovers lead to, quote, incorrect treatment plans, diagnostic delays, patient complaints, increased length of stay, and increased mortality, end quote. I would personally add that it contributes to a lack of trust amongst the teams caring for these patients. If you're unclear of what the anesthesiologist or surgeon did in the operating room, that could lead to down the capacity to do your job properly. 
you'll be like, oh, why did they do this? And why did they do that? You know, it's, it's, it just leads to a very poor interaction, in my opinion. And the truth is that filling out a checklist like this isn't very time consuming to achieve either. When they did this particular study, it turns out that it took less than three minutes. And honestly, I think it could take less than that if you restrain yourself from injecting playful commentary, which is honestly one of my problems. I like to I like to mess around a little bit because yeah, we could get a little bit serious sometimes. So you need to have a little bit of fun while you're there. So let's talk about the procedure details. It's important to learn from the surgeon, their NP, their PA, somebody who's on their team, what was done in the operating room, where the grafts were taken from, if the patient is oozy or not. And obviously a single vessel cabbage is easier than a five vessel cabbage. It's also important to know how long the pump run or cross clamp time was. Knowing the comorbidities of your patients are extremely important to know when they, when they arrive to the CVICU. An example of this is Obviously, did the patient have a stroke ever? And if so, what are their precise sequelae of this? Because you don't want to go ahead and call a code stroke on a patient for a manifestation that's been there for several years. At the same time, you don't also want to miss a CVA and then miss the window of opportunity to go ahead and retrieve the culprit. Also, if the patient has a history of hypertension, which let's be honest with ourselves, most of the patients are, were they being treated with an ACE inhibitor? Because we know that these families of medications could contribute to vasoplegic syndromes, which end up being a game changer in how we manage these patients in the post-op period. Is the patient a heavy drinker? Is, is there the potential that the patient abstains for a couple of days for their surgery and could go ahead and withdraw while they're there? You need to go ahead and predict this stuff. Also, it's important to know if the patient takes SSRIs for depression, therefore takes the possibility of using methylene blue for vasoplegic sy uh, syndrome out of your toolbox. There are other comorbidities underneath that, you know, I just can't get into right now. But that doesn't mean that they're not important. Next up is the intraoperative course. And when discussing the intraoperative course upon arrival to the ICU with the anesthesiologist, I like to know what the airway was like. Was it an easy airway? Is there anything anatomical that I need to worry about, like a cervical fusion? You know, I, I sometimes roll a dice a bit to try to make the extubation within six hours and extubate patients directly to non-invasive ventilation or high-flow nasal cannula. And I want to make sure that I have a safe exit strategy. In other words, that their airway is not potentially compromised in the case that they need to be re-intubated. Knock on wood, this, this doesn't happen very often. I typically ask the anesthesiologist or, you know, at this point, they basically inform me right off the bat what the heart looked like as soon as the TEE was performed before they actually went on bypass. I also ask about their pre-op ejection fraction, how the valves looked, what were their initial numbers when the PA catheter or Swan-Gans catheter was, was placed, what was their initial cardiac index or cardiac output at the beginning of the case, what are the baseline pulmonary artery pressures. You need to set baselines for this stuff to better identify when your patient is going south. Remember, it's all about the details. Some people just live with you know, bad pulmonary artery pressures. That's just who they are. And so you're not necessarily going to panic when the numbers come back and they're a little bit high. One of the other things that the anesthesiologist is very helpful for is to let you know how much, pa how much fluid the patient received during surgery. Here you need to know how much blood products they received, which ones they received, how much cell saver, how much crystalloid, how much colloid. All these tidbits of information with regards to fluid status are extremely important. At some institutions, the patient may have even been provided with a slug of Lasix or furosemide, the generic name, prior to transfer from the CVOR to the CVICU. If the patient is shocky, they may come up with some sort of vasopressor and or inotrope. 
face-to-face communication will assist us on sorting out why certain regimens were chosen for this patient. Remember, the anesthesiologist has the ability to actually look at the heart via transesophageal echo to judge the responsiveness of different inotropic agents as opposed to, you know, us just using SWAN, unless you know how to do TEEs. The anesthesiologist will also help us understand what the heart looked like after the surgery. Like I said before, we're going to know what the pre-op ejection fraction was and also what the post-op ejection fraction was. We'll know exactly what the heart looked like on the right side too. This information is crucial because if the RV is weak or, you know, kind of dilated, please don't pound it with fluids. The right heart could only take so much. And any other strange events that took place in the OR will be, will be related as well. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's not forget about the temporary pacemaker that many of these patients come out of the CVOR with. What settings are the patient on and why? What's their underlying rhythm? Honestly, consider making a pacing video for YouTube or even a podcast, but honestly, there's so many good videos out there if you just look it up on YouTube that it will kind of be redundant for me to do it, and I honestly won't do as good a job as these people would. I'm just going to defer to those videos, so Google it if you're interested in pacemaker videos. It's also relayed where the chest tubes are and how much they've put out. It's extremely helpful to know if the patient is bleeding or if they're not bleeding, that's also bad because they could be developing a tamponade in there. The ventilator settings that the patient comes up with from the OR are usually something that I just glance at, but I don't need relayed to me because I can actually see it. And honestly, we get a blood gas as soon as the patient uh, reaches the CVICU, so I quickly titrate their vent settings to something a little bit more optimal for them. The whole plan of doing all these different maneuvers and all this important communication is that we want to make sure that we keep our patients safe enough as they recover to successfully extubate them within six hours of coming off pump. We also want to go ahead and obviously decrease mortality and reduce acute kidney injury. We want to be able to identify the problems that happen to this patient so that we're not then scurrying when the patient turns out to be on jet fuel requiring a ton of pressures and inotropes. One of the other articles that I read to help me create this podcast was one by Kaufman, which is also linked in the show notes, where they found that using a checklist like this led to fewer unplanned extubations and a shorter mean ventilator time per patient in hours. You know, this this ultimately leads to a, quote, more reliable transfer of critical contents and improved patient care planning, end quote. So I plan on getting into a few more things with regards to CVICU. Please let me know if you guys enjoyed this podcast. Um, I think this is extremely important that we're all on the same page on how we transfer and recover these patients in the CVICU from the OR. Hat tip to all the nurses and doctors and staff who take care of these patients in the CVOR and CVICU. I look forward to making more content for you all. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Bye.